Hey, sports fans, you're tuned into the Emerald City Fandom Podcast. We're Seattle fans talking Seattle sports. We're your hosts. I'm Connor. I'm Sam. And I'm Justin. You ready to get started? Let's send it! Welcome back to the pod, folks. This is episode, where are we at? 47. Episode 47. And it's officially Oregon Week, boys. Oh, open season. Duck hunting starts today. True that. True that. Sam, you were just on the mic. How are you doing tonight? What are you sipping on, sir? What are you sipping on in celebration? In celebration of a hard This time we don't have to be sarcastic either. In celebration <laughs> of an actual serious. like there's good things to you know, good feelings coming out of this game. Obviously, there's plenty there's to things... complain about, but yes, there's good there's yeah. there's good things. But in general, it's like yeah, oh, yeah, that's a that's like it's a good win. The closest that's like the best feeling win we've had all year. It's probably. the best win we've had all oh, year. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Opponent I mean, in the moment, lot, Arkansas yeah. State was like, Oh, that's great. But I mean, they're them or Arizona is the worst team. In FBS, yep. there I think they're the only two on the only two teams that haven't won. Probably. Arkansas State, I, Arkansas has a State win, is really really bad, but they think it's against a D two opponent. It's against the lower oh, division okay. opponent. Oh, yeah, that doesn't okay. count. Anyways, getting back to your question, I'm still drinking Rowan's Creek. I actually said it right this time. It's a bourbon that we had at the wedding. What two weekends ago now, and. um yeah, working on my Austin, Texas souvenir. How about you? I guess we'll flip it over to Justin. What are you sipping yeah. on, man? Enoch Enoch is going to be pissed. I have a feeling he's going to be real <laughs> upset. It's, uh, it's a celebration is in order, boys. We went down to the farm. First win since 2007. Woo! And no other beverage is more important than water. You know, we have to hydrate up and be prepared for next week. So water... Water boy is back in season, baby. Water sucks. It really, really sucks. Gator. Gator. <laughs> I really hope Con- you're actually in sync there. Uh, Connor, you have uh, you gonna get two waters to one alcohol, or do you have alcohol? I mean, I'm basically drinking water, but uh, it goes by the name of Rolling Rock. Plenty of what we were drinking on Saturday night at my my house, Justin. This is true um so yeah it's treat me well it's uh it's what i have in my fridge that's <laughs> what i'm drinking there you although go. it's it is it is a green can so i'm surprised you guys haven't called called me out on Just that crush but... it after you know yeah i will drink yeah, out its that's... soul and crush it i'm consuming it right now. at least it's like not the right color green though it's not like the annoying no rolling rock gets a pass for me today because it's oh, better okay. It's better than water, for Christ's sake. I mean, at least Oregon is here, so we don't have to see what obnoxious green jersey they're wearing. Like, they should be wearing white, right? So that's good. They're probably going to wear those, like, annoying, like, somebody was standing behind the jacked-up 4 by 4 truck in a muddy field, and they just start spinning the tires, and it spits mud all over your white jerseys. Have you seen those? No, but they sound They're horrible. Yeah, I totally believe whatever you're saying this is this is a good discussion what 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 jersey is Oregon gonna wear this week i mean no, they we don't wear the that. same one twice right we should our wear our national That's championship kind of jerseys the 1991 throwbacks yeah with the regular oh, sure. helmet i think it's 
we're wearing purple, right? Like our normal ones. Yeah, like I think we're gonna do. Or... It's a purple out, so we might be in all purple. I'm not sure. Do we still have those like chrome purple helmets, or did we get rid of those? Um, is that a Nike? We thing? haven't worn them in a few years. I think that was a know... Nike thing, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't know if that was an Adidas thing or not. I mean, I'm sure they could make something for that if they that would be cool. wanted to. Even though I those are pretty cool jerseys, helmets, but. I mean, those are pretty cool jerseys, though, for like once a year. I think if we did you're... that against what Cal or something a few years ago. Was it Cal yeah. at home? I f- yeah. I forget who we played, but yeah, I think if you're going to go for the purple out, like they're going to have purple pom poms in the stand or whatever the towels or mm-hmm. something like that. If you're going to go for the purple out, I mean, UW's got to figure the helmet situation out. It's true. It's true. All right. Well. We'll have more time to talk about the Oregon game, but there's a few news and notes to go over. And obviously, we got to review this Stanford win on the road. We're four uh, what, four what now. What did you say? What did you say? Stanford win? I'm sorry. What did you guys predict last week? I forget. I told you I was going to drag your ass through the mud on the yeah, last I'm episode. Crow. So we're going to do it. I'm eating crow. Congratulations! I think that puts you at like you know, three and five on the no, season. No, it puts me at whatever our record is. I've predicted us to win every game. Like I did in the beginning, 12 and 0, baby. Yeah, I mean, you I might predict- get a pass against Michigan just because we didn't really predict that one. I still would have predicted you. Dub. I mean, you were, you were like, I don't expect us to win this game, <laughs> but you might have picked you up, but yeah. I don't know. I'd have to go back and listen to it. I probably would have been wrong. So what am I, four and four then? <laughs> There you go. Yeah, sure. Sure. Same as our record. Yeah, four and four. How First did you flip on that the... on me? How all of a sudden is it like, oh, yeah, you're <laughs> fucking four and four. <laughs> it's what I do. You guys are wrong. You should know better Deflect. Than, than that. Deflect. Right now. Yeah. Deflect. You've known yeah. me long enough. Dang. Yeah. That didn't work out the way I thought it would. <laughs> well, Justin and I are definitely eating, eating crow, though. Yes, we this, are. This week. And, you know, happy to do it. We got the pleasure of watching it in, in my house. And there was, pl- trust me, we were we were doing plenty of bitching the entire Honor night. Honor was stressed. I think the whole was fourth mad. quarter, he was on the ground, clenching his face with both hands, had turned away from the screen, lots of expletives. At the very end, yeah, I was not the happy. last drive, uh, just a lot of shocking moments. And we'll get into it. But Did you guys do you remember my face? jumping down? jump up and down i did I was, sit, I was sitting there in shock connor leapt up and almost tore his roof off i think yeah <laughs> something like that and then i think i like i was still so shocked like i didn't make any noise though i i was so shocked I, do you remember my face mm-hmm. brandon says he remembers my face and yeah i think i came over for like a like a very gentle hug of you because i still didn't really believe that it happened but right yeah all right, what, yeah. uh, what notes did you have crazy. before we jump in? Yeah, Johnny? sorry. Yeah, <laughs> no worries. It's okay. We're already off the rails. It's fine. This is whenever the podcast usually gets better. So uh, for injury updates, I guess, and this was kind of teased last week during the week. Um, it was after we had recorded, but Ryan Bowman did indeed get injured in that Arizona game. Arm injury. He had surgery, I think, today as we're recording this on Monday. And he is out for the year. So his his Husky career is over, um, which is sad. And yeah. obviously, mm-hmm. um, wish him the best going forward. He's still, obviously, he's going to be with the team. But um, 
a pretty big loss, you know, a pretty big loss. Right as right as you get ZTF back, yeah, Bowman on the other side gets gets banged up. So we're going to be relying upon a bunch of young young guns to kind of fill in at that spot opposite of ZTF as he's getting more healthy. Um, but there's an there's an array of talent there. It's just none of them have really shown the ability to consistently perform at this point in their careers. So. They definitely played better against Stanford for sure, and we'll get into that yep. in a little bit. Yep, for sure. Um, on the other side of the injury front, Jalen Polk was warming up during the game, during like during warmups before the game um, against Stanford. So he might be closer to returning than we had originally thought, and maybe then then they had anticipated him coming back too, because it was sounding like it, he was only going to be available if we were to make a bowl. Um, but I mean, if he's warming up before the Stanford game, I would assume he's probably within a couple couple weeks of possibly suiting back up so maybe as soon as this this week against oregon he might get out there for a few plays we'll see um so that's that's great that's awesome a serious chest injury that he had where he required emergency surgery first snap of the year um and you know you can never have enough weapons outside in in the wide receiving core and seemed like he was you know, just from the that first drive, it seemed like he was going to be a pretty quality option at that receiver position. So I hope that he's able to get healthy and and become an option for this receiving core. Yeah. All right. If you had any follow up, you can you can speak now. No, I'm just I agree. I know Jimmy talked about it. I think today in his it was either post game or his press conference today he was talking about, you know, he obviously downplayed it like, Oh yeah. You know, he's got legs that are healthy. So he's running around, but you're not suited up unless you're an available option in an emergency situation. So let alone travel with the team. So I think that's a really positive sign. Like you mentioned. Yeah. It's probably his first time traveling. I would think this year too. So, and that's obviously something it's a step in the right direction at the very, very least. But, uh, Sam, I want to throw it back to you here because your boy oh, is man. highlighted here in, in our in our intro. You totally called this, dude, from the beginning. And you you need to pat yourself on the back. And I'm going to give you that opportunity now. So go ahead and talk up your boy. Your boy from Redmond High, the local kid. Son of all-time Husky great tight end Mark Bruner. That's right. Inside linebacker Carson Bruner is a dude. If you watch the game, you know who I'm talking about. Number 42. Where the hell has that been all season long? He had 16 tackles, a sack, forced fumble, and a key point in the game. He was awarded the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Week and the Pac-12 Freshman Player of the Week, which is the first time that that's ever happened in the history of the conference. Granted that since they started giving out Freshman Player of the Week, which happened, started in like 2019 so it's not like a storied history or anything but still really cool still yeah to get a freshman winning both of those awards in the same week i mean just indicative of the play that we saw on the field so i mean there's a lot of question i mean you love to see it but it's also kind of aligns with some of the frustrations we've had oh yeah not only with this year's team but throughout the entire chris peterson era carried forward with jimmy lake they're just total hard asses on letting the young talent play. Like they have such strict rules around how you need to perform in practice. 
before you can see the field. And so I'm glad that Carson Bruner's finally developed the consistency or showing whatever he needs to show in practice to warrant the playing time. And he played every single snap of this game defensively at the linebacker position, which is really an impressive feat. And I think you got to throw him a bone too, because last year when he was a true freshman through the COVID year, he stepped on campus weighing 200 pounds and soaking clothes. And he looks the part now he's 225, 230, very agile, quick. And he's just his instincts. He's in attack mode all the time. And we'll dive into it more when I kind of break down what I saw on the defense through, through the Stanford game. But man, what a welcome change of pace at that linebacker spot. And it just kind of makes you wonder what could have been if he had been starting the whole time next to Eddie, I think they would have played really well next to each other, but nonetheless, great to see him have a breakout performance and he's going to have a tough task with this Oregon offense coming up next week. So hopefully he can keep it rolling, but we have another player of the week as well. Yeah, Justin, we were talking about this guy all game. Yeah, you know, not my favorite Husky ever. And, it, you know, it just stems back to one play, and it's really unfair on Correct. the kid. But Peyton Henry, four for four and field goals down there. I mean, at, lar- some, at some points of the game, it seemed like he was going to be our MVP because yeah. we get down to the red zone, we'd have decent drives on the ground and et cetera, just pounding Stanford. And then we just, you know, stalled in the red zone and called on Peyton Henry to win the game for us. So yeah, super huge clutch. Um, we, we wish sometimes we had four for four and the other Seattle football team feel oh. like we would have another dub, but yeah, <laughs> congrats to Peyton. And also I, he, I feel like he's a lot better on kickoffs than we've had before. Oh yeah. That's been he's a huge like a bonus. Bit. Right. I mean, just kicking it out of the end zone, take the 25 every time. I felt like who was there? Uh, it was Tim Horn. Yeah, he sucks, dude. I feel like it'd be short kicks and they get to the 30 or 32 and have really good starting field position. So credit to Peyton all around. Which is like another weird personnel thing, right? Like I I think part of that is, so Tim Horn transferred, I think week three or week four, so we could preserve the year. And you have to think like the only reason he was really our kickoff starter is if he was kind of like holding the coach's feet to the fire, like, hey, if I'm not playing, I'm not going to be here. Like Peyton Henry is 10 times better on the kickoffs than Tim oh, Horn ever close. has been. I mean, Henry's bombing it out of the end zone. So that's, I'm glad you brought that up, Justin. That's a really good point. And just like our coverage units haven't been that great in the recent history. So the fact that we don't have to cover kicks is really nice. <laughs> and I'll take the 25 every day, you know, just guaranteed. Oh, yeah. Make them earn 75 game, yeah. yards. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I can't disagree with any of that. All right. Should we talk a little bit more in depth about this, about this victory on the road? Last second kind of eked it out, (laughs) but uh, over, over way more legit team than Arizona. I will say that. So, um, I mean, we were talking about going into this game that this, this wasn't the same kind of Stanford team or the same type of UW team as in the past. So we didn't really know what to expect from this game, but it was, it was what we come to expect from this game. It was a classic kind of grinded out game, low scoring, 
lots of field goals back and forth, lots of good defense being played on both sides of the ball and not so great offense on both sides of the ball. Um, and it was kind of a matchup of who, who was going to either have the ball last or who was going to turn it over less um, or who was going to control the clock, which the clock ended up being pretty even, but we did, we did win the turnover battle and we had the ball basically last, at least as far as like legit scoring drive. So um, what are your thoughts and what are your general takeaways from this game? I know that we have some players highlighted on here. You can go into that. If you just had stuff to say about the actual game itself, um, Sam, why don't you, why don't you start us off? I think just framing it up, you know, carrying forward what we talked about in the last episode, previewing the game, you know, both of these teams have had an identity crisis this season, right? Like, you think about Stanford and you think about Jimmy Lake in his first press conference when Peterson was handing the torch over to him. He talked about wanting to mimic Stanford's offense and be the you know, powerhouse of the Pac-12 North and run the damn ball, play good defense, control the game, you know, control the clock and manage the game. And, you know, we've normally seen David Shaw's Stanford teams dominate the Pac-12 in that in those facets of the game and Stanford has not been able to do that all year as we highlighted like they've not been good at rushing the ball they have not been good at stopping the run and you could say the same thing about the Huskies so far this year like we have not been good running the ball and we have not been good at stopping the run so you kind of have this meeting of these two teams that don't really have their typical or their desired identity on either side of the ball And so in review of the game, it feels really good, you know, obviously caveating the fact that I just mentioned Stanford's not good at stopping the run and they're also not good running the ball, but it feels really good going into that game and knowing that we can at least do it better than Stanford. And it was the first game that I felt like we really were able to play the style of football that we or Jimmy Lake wants to, and has been selling to the fans all season where we did run the ball and have great success. And there's a couple of reasons that I think we did not only, you know, caveating it because of Stanford's inability to stop the run this season. I think we changed some things schematically up front that helped a lot, but then the defense, I think played lights out. I mean, I thought the defense played really, really well. Obviously Carson Bruner was a huge part of that in so many ways, even rewatching the film, like his impact on this defense is, I mean, so enormous. And so just like talking through a couple of the main themes that I saw that really helped us win the game in that fashion on the offensive side of the ball, we had a new running back in there, Cam Davis, that we hadn't really seen since he had that butt fumble against Oregon state that pretty much cost us the game. Um, But what I saw was a lot more power blocking schemes versus what we've seen in the past, which is zone blocking. And for the listeners that don't really know what I'm talking about, I'll quickly try to explain the difference between the two zone blocking is you don't really, you're not blocking for opening a specific hole. You're not blocking a specific person. The offensive line in a zone blocking scheme is just trying to get the defensive line to move a certain direction and have like a unified 45 degree angle towards one of the sidelines movement. 
and then give the running back the flexibility to read the linebackers and pick the right hole. And so it puts a lot of emphasis on the running back's ability to choose the right hole, which we have seen our running backs not able to do. And I think our offensive linemen have, have struggled cohesively moving in a zone blocking scheme. In this game, there's a lot more old traditional fashion power blocking with pulling guards, a designated hole for Cam Davis, who's had, you know, happy feet in the backfield that we've seen before have a designated path to run. And whether it was M MJ Ale or Kate Otten or Henry Bainavalu pulling and punching out the end and getting these massive holes, I think we found a ton of success. And I hope that the coaches see that and recognize that we see more power blocking moving forward. And then on the defensive side of the ball, we finally made the personnel changes that we've all kind of been clamoring for. Obviously we've talked about Carson Bruner in at linebacker, but then I feel like we got our best five DBs on the field finally. And we moved Kyler Gordon into the slot so we could move Buki back to the deep safety. Dom Hampton was our in the box safety. He had a hell of a game, brings a physical nature to the defense. And I think we just need just even having dudes on the defense like Dom Hampton and Carson Bruner making plays, being in attack mode and making big hits like that resonates and it's contagious throughout the defense. And so I think that had a huge impact as well. And the one, the one person that we should call out that helps allow us to make those defensive backfield changes is the walk-on from O'Day. Michelle Powell was starting outside opposite of McDuffie and outside of one missed tackle, I thought he played a really solid game. So those are kind of like the high level themes that I saw that, you know, field goals instead of touchdowns, game is tight, all that stuff aside, seeing those higher level themes come to fruition throughout the game is what has me feeling more optimistic than potentially some other Husky fans that are like poo-pooing a 20 to, thir 20 to 13. 2013. Plan over Stanford what did you guys see Justin yeah I mean you you mentioned I'm gonna get uh, credit for being negative Nancy over here because you took a lot of the same you just put into better depth than I would have but a lot of the same positive talking yeah. points I mean Bruner was great I thought Dom Hampton like the obvious question why haven't we seen them earlier yada no yada to go on and on but they played great McDuffie um, Tyler Gordon played well Buki is force out there right so i mean we have so many playmakers on the defensive side of the ball specifically in the secondary we outgained stanford by 110 yards we were pounding them on the ground we won the turnover battle by three to zero really two to zero three was one of the last yeah. plays of the game so say two to zero um and yet we need, we were a third and four McKee holding the ball on a play action pass away from losing this game. They, yeah. they were so close to winning this. If McKee throws the ball early, we're, we lost. And so it's, while we did so many good things this game, especially defensively and on the offensive line, because some of those holes that we ran through were gaping. Yeah. Sam, you would have had 10 yard gains through there. Easy. I'm pretty slow. Uh, you can once you get top speed you're moving though it's yeah not, you know not true. much side to side it's you know north south <laughs> so that that worries me that worries me that again dylan morris has 
he does okay efficiency wise what 17 for 35 25 or something like that but yeah short throws a lot of one read quick throws stanford's not the greatest team it's clear to me and you said this pre-show that the coaching staff hasn't put their full faith in him yeah i don't know i i'm I'm skeptical going into the future, although I don't want to poo-poo it too much. It was a great win, but we were still, despite all the positives for us, we were so close to losing this game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think (laughs) you described how I was feeling that entire fourth quarter to the audience. And that was pretty much where I was at. I, I'm pretty sure I remember saying to you, Justin, we're going to lose this game 13 to 12. (laughs) <laughs> before they had even kicked a field goal like we, i think we had 13. just punted the yeah. ball yeah. yeah i think we had just punted the ball back to them and i was like we're gonna lose this game 13 to 12 just because <laughs> we it was great to see success on the ground and there seemed to be some like some things that they were doing well in the passing game and it was mostly just horizontal passes to your playmakers and uh in jalen mcmillan and roma dunze mm-hmm Suddenly they would get inside the 20 and everything would fall apart. And it was bad execution. It was awful play calling at yeah. moments as well. Mm-hmm. Um, which Sam, you've, you've, you've already talked about this on the podcast too, is that that was John Donovan's supposed calling card was he was supposed to be such an amazing play caller in the red uh, zone, what a red well, zone efficiency. Well, the stats would still say he's the best in college football in red zone efficiency. We're hundred percent baby. Well, not in touchdown efficiency. That's what. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got to yeah. peel that one back you gotta, one more layer. To you got to go a little more advanced in the statistics there. You got to click on one more button to yeah. really, yeah. <laughs> go deeper into that. Um, yeah. It's frustrating, dude. Like this should have been a two or three score game. It really should have. I mean, that uh, that sequence, whenever we got goal to go at the end of the first quarter, we had first yeah. and goal at like the six yard line. Mm-hmm. Didn't need to snap the ball. Oh. Didn't need to snap the ball. But we choose to. And I don't know if that's on Dylan Morris. I don't know if that's what Donovan wanted to do. I don't know if that's what Lake wanted to do. But whoever wanted to do it, you shouldn't have done that. Like you, you, you wasted a play because it was a fullback dive with one second on the play clock. Like, yeah, nothing was going to happen from that play. So I didn't understand that. Um, you basically had a free time out there to kind of like collect your thoughts and think of a play sequence that made sense on your goal to go. And then what was the play after that? I don't even have it in front. I think we ran up the middle for one yard. Yeah. Like Cam Davis again, uh-huh. and then we had like an incomplete pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you settle for the field goal. Like if you're like the goal to go <laughs> play calling is even more infuriating, I think, than than the red zone play calling. So that one st- stands out to me. That drive, and then the drive where they had. I remember texting you about this, Sam. They had the uh, option play. Oh. from Dylan Morris on third down. Yeah. I was like third and third and two or something like that. And I think this is in the third quarter, maybe fourth quarter. I think third quarter. Um, they had a third and two and they're, they're definitely in the red zone. Um, and they run a little like pitch option with Dylan Morris 
to Cam Davis, who loses his footing and loses like two yards. Um, I don't know who you're tricking with that play because Dylan Morris is not exactly the most fleet of foot and exactly zero threat to do anything with his legs on that play. You had to have had a better play than that. And I will just say that if you're going to do anything horizontally, your best playmakers are Jalen McMillan and Rombo Duze. Anytime they touch the ball, they were getting five or six yards a pop at will, like easy. That's like, that's minimum. And that, that play works. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, but like, they just need to get it out to those guys and let them make some people miss. Cause that, Seems to be our most effective passing play. I mean, that's all of Dunze did, right? I mean, he had six receptions for 37 yards, but, you know, yeah. we're getting the ball in our playmakers, but, you know, it's those short six, seven, five yard wide receiver screens on first down to get it out in space for them to make a play. I mean, that's, I'm fine with that. That's fine. As long as you're sustaining drives, like you just can't have negative plays if you're going to do that. And so, you know, which I, they I, did, they kept those to a minimum. They, they didn't have they many, did. uh, like many, like, plays for loss and they had zero sacks they didn't allow any sacks so credit the line the line the, this is the best the line has played all year for sure no so that was awesome to see too and you know i shot on the offense a little bit but you know credit i have to give credit on the final drive i don't know where it was the entire game but we saw us find our playmakers we hit mcmillan in space with the line created a huge hole from mcgrew we had a cam davis like little pitch toss play where's that been the whole game instead of you know i guess it worked i mean stanford's so bad but i should say where has it been all season yeah to mix it up and try to get the ball outside um that was nice and then we had a dylan morris he made a great decision to keep the ball when the stanford edge collapsed and he kept the ball for about nine yards or so Mm -hmm. um so we we saw a fantastic executed drive and then that final touchdown pass i know connor and i were shocked when we were throwing that ball into mcmillan but mcmillan just dusted the guy on one-on-one -on -one coverage and was wide open so well i think that's so impressive because he was being covered by their best guy on both of those slants caillou blue kelly and he kelly even had inside leverage which is supposed to take the slant away and I think that just goes to show like what caliber of wide receivers we have, particularly in this case, Jalen McMillan. I mean, you have a solidified Pac-12, you know, potential all Pac-12 type corner. Kyle Blue Kelly has been around for a while. He's been solid all year. And Jalen McMillan dusts him two times in a row. With inside leverage, you should not be able to run a slant and have, you know, a good two yards of separation. And he did both times. So maybe we should try to open up that route tree with Jalen McMillan beyond, you know, slants and slants and goes. I mean, it works for us on the final drive, but you got to utilize that talent more for sure. Yeah. Yeah. What was your guys' play of the game? I'll tell you what my play of the game was. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like a outside of the game winning touchdown. Like no, that, no, yeah. That, like that's yeah, obvious. That can't be. Yeah. I think there's a lot of different options you can go with, but I have to say, I think Kate Otten probably has the play of the game. And it was him almost making the worst play of the game. Where uh, yes. He had that fumble. And I mean, Cade doesn't fumble, and I think that was more just like a really good, you know, hat on the ball tackle. Sometimes 
if they hit you just right, put a helmet on the ball, it's going to squirt out. And so the ball squirts out towards the sideline and the Stanford player is going to pick it up. And I mean, Kate Otten got totally upended, flipped, spun around, somehow still had the awareness to like get up on his feet really quick and dive towards the ball and bat it out of the Stanford's hands, Stanford's players' hands quick enough that the refs obviously indicated that he didn't have enough time to complete possession. And so ultimately ended up being a um, like fumble forward out of bounds and UW kept the ball. This was right at the end of the second half or right at the end of the first half, end of the second quarter. And I think there was a minute left or something. If that doesn't happen, I mean, that saved three points. If, if he isn't, aware and hustling and covering for his own mistake and make that play to keep the ball with the Huskies. That's probably a six point play. Like Stanford probably gets a field goal going the other way at that point. And for him to be able to get up and make that play, I mean, it shows his heart, you know, heart of a warrior plays really hard and, you know, hadn't been getting the attention he wants or we should give him throughout the game. I just think that that was such a pivotal play that's easy to forget with within some of the other more flashy plays. I just think that was an incredible football play that he made. And it saved, I, I think it's a six point play that he made. Yeah, it's definitely a big play. Huge. I, I'll go a different way. I agree. That was huge. I'm going to go with uh, Carson Bruner. The sack fumble for Tanner McKee, they had just had a 23-yard pass play up the middle, I think, and they're starting to move the ball. And the following drive, they did get a touchdown. So I think this was just huge for us to get the ball back in Stanford territory as well. So I think who recovered the fumble? Was it Smalls? Yeah, it Savelle. Smalls, yeah, Savelle. Who, Savelle, I mean, that was me. Maybe I'm stealing your thunder, but if that wasn't going to – is that going to be your next play, Connor, or no? No. Yeah, go ahead. Savelle had his best game. So he recovered that fumble. And then was it Justin? You were talking about how we're like one pass away from losing when Tanner mm-hmm. McKee, if he keeps the ball, it gets rid of it early. Yes. The person in his face putting pressure on him that really kind of caused him to panic. I know he lost his footing a little bit, but Savelle Small stayed home on that play action bootleg and was in his face and forced a bad pass. And so. Mm-hmm. That, that could also be a play. That was game. a huge play. Because if way. Savelle doesn't stay home and get pressure there, that's an easy completion for a first down, yeah. regardless of timing, it, right? Yeah, it, it made the play a lot harder than it should have been, but yeah. it still he still should have made the play, probably, the quarterback. But, yeah. Yeah. But, yes, credit Savelle for at least, like, making that a lot more difficult than, than it originally was, so... What's your play of the game, Connor? Um, I mean, if we're if we're talking other big plays, I think the the next biggest play for sure. I, I probably would also say that the burner fumble was probably my biggest play of the game. But if we're gonna if we're gonna choose something else, it'd be the other key turnover in this game, and that was the Jackson Sermon, who should have it should have been a Carson Bruner interception, but then Jackson <laughs> Sermon stole it out of his arms, yeah, and thought that he was gonna do a pick six and didn't but i mean that was still obviously a huge play in this game and honestly it was a tipped ball i don't remember who tipped it that's probably honestly like that's where that play kyler gordon it was kyler yeah yeah whether kyler actually tipped it or not but kyler was 
blanketed all over the wide receiver. He, I don't know whose hand he, it went he, off of. He kind of defensed the pass at the very least, yeah. yes. Um, so that was that was a huge play too. I think that's kind of like when the defense really got their momentum going was that play because I mean Stanford's driving on that on oh, that yeah. on that drive. I mean they're deep in our territory and it's a three three ball game at that point and after that point they don't score again until the second half. So I think that was a that was a massive uh, boost in the confidence of the defense that getting that turnover at that key point and they kind of took that to the rest of the game and um you know held held Stanford down for the most part you know they had that one touchdown drive at the end of the game but our offense certainly didn't do the defense any favors by really uh putting together true touchdown scoring drives and selling for field goals so could have could have been a you know lot less interesting of a game if if we just would have punched the ball in the end zone a couple times yeah for sure i think the other player that we haven't talked about i'll let one of you guys talk about him if you want that had a breakout i mean we talked about new faces on the defense with carson bruner dom hampton void tanufi had a coming out party yeah he did uh yeah (laughs) it's awesome to see a true freshman flash like this especially at a at a position that I feel like we've underperformed at for the most part over the last couple of years at that defensive tackle position. So, I mean, and Voy's a completely different type of player than most of the rest of that group. He's, he's a little bit smaller, but super twitchy and a really good pass rusher from, from that spot. And it was on full display in the Stanford game. He had two sacks, both of them early in the game. Again, kind of a tone setting I think moment for the defense and boy mm-hmm. definitely did that from, from the beginning of the game. You got a lot of playing time in this game too. So yeah, I thought, I thought Thule also played really well as well. And then, I mean, Taki was kind of mixed in there a bit. He was coming back from injury. So he was a little, maybe a little bit slow, but like he, yeah. he was, it was good to see him back out there. Um, I expect that he's going to regain his form probably this next week against Oregon, but in, in, in for what, Taki lacked. I mean, for sure, Tanufi brought it. You know, I haven't seen much of his Tua Taylor though. I mean, he was he was out there, but he just hasn't flashed as much in in yeah. recent weeks. And I, that's a that's a player to circle. I feel like that he's kind of due for maybe another breakout performance at some point here too. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And I I think one of the things that's really promising about having Boy Tanufi get some confidence out of this game is within the context of Ryan Bowman being out for the year, they're very Mm -hmm. similar players. I mean, I know they're slotted at different positions right now, but they're both the same body type. They're six foot, six foot one, 280 ish. And really, you know, a, you know, a poor man's Aaron Donald mold is what they're going for out of those players, you know, shorter, stockier, great leverage, really strong, but Mm -hmm. extremely agile. And so, it might be an interesting thing to see him out on the edge a bit more. Like he has the versatility to do that and, and hold the edge against a, a offense coming up this week. That's going to put a lot of pressure on that edge with a lot of the motions and read options and such. Mm-hmm. It's going to, there's going to be a huge emphasis on containing and getting a big, fast, you know, sturdy edge player out there. I mean, it could be an interesting development to see him try to fill in some of the shoes that Ryan Bowman leaves behind. 
It's a really good point, just because that that spot opposite of ZTF right now is just anyone's anyone's for the taking, you know, right now. Yeah. Savelle is, like you mentioned, maybe flashed a little bit this last game, but for the most part has been an absolute zero this year. Mm-hmm. You have Braylon Trice, is, can't even see the field right now. Yeah, You have Cooper McDonald, who's a solid player, but he's about as underwhelming as they come at that yeah. position, I think. And he played his um, best game too. He had like that big tackle for loss on there. Unblocked, but yeah. Yeah, but yeah. still like big guy. Made the play though. You got, yeah. yeah, it's a good open field tackle, but. Yeah, made the but play. Where we um, struggle on the edge with those guys that we're mentioning is in the run game. Like they do not sure. set the edge well. And that's sure. going to be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> this next be a one. Problem. Should, we, should we talk about this game on Saturday? Anything else we that do. you want to touch on for the Stanford game? Not that I can think of. I've exhausted it. I got my points. I think in. we're on to Oregon. Let's do it. You don't want to talk up Sean McGrew and his 114 yards on the ground through. I'm glad he holes. was able to run through the holes that were. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we <laughs> emphasized the offensive line for the running game. I mean, Cam Davis yes. was great to see, but the offensive line did the dirty work there. And again, I think yes. a lot of that came from the switching, switching up or mixing in power blocking. Right. So want to see more of that going forward for sure yeah i think you're right give credit to scott huff for that for that game plan too a bit you know someone that we've definitely been critical of this year so far came up with a good game plan against stanford and even if it's a weakness and against a team that we're not used to seeing that weakness from they took advantage of it and we haven't seen that from the husky team yet this year so it's something to build on you know this this that's that's my main takeaway from this stanford game it's something to build on it's you're doing the things that you thought that you could do going into this year against a team that struggles against those things mainly being running the ball and then stopping the run but you know you did it you did it and yeah it's something to build on you did it in a in a not hostile environment but an environment that you've had a tough play a tough time winning at um, so you got that monkey off your back too. You first, first time we won down on the farm since 2007. Like that's, that's huge. That's yeah. huge. That's awesome. So well, I think so much of it too, is we talk, we've talked about it and we're going to talk about it in a negative sense here in a minute, but like the perception of Husky football right now, like we have not been able to get any easy wins in the locker room, even just from a perception perspective. And so like, yeah, even us knowing and you know, dissecting the stats and knowing that Stanford is not good at stopping the run, the perception of us going into Stanford and bullying and pushing them around, like whether or not they're the Stanford of old or not, like you can play on that perception. You can sell that to your team, get them some additional confidence and belief. Like we just bullied the bully of the PAC 12 North, like whether that's true or not this year, like we obviously know that that's not, but to be able to like build some of that, you know, fake it till you make it even I think is helpful mm-hmm. for this team at this point. And this is a Stanford team that beat Oregon at the farm. So yep. we did what was a good Oregon transition moment. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, I also wanted to bring this up. How come every year, every freaking year we play Stanford and Oregon back to back? I don't know. Like George needs to fix that shit. It's every year. And Jimmy Lake said it this week. Those are the three, t- quote unquote, titans of the Pac-12 North, because those are the only teams that have won the Pac-12 North since they split the divisions. So us playing 
both the other teams that like have historically been good in the North in back-to-back weeks. It's a little suspect, a little sus, a little sus. I mean, I yeah, say. if it happens every once in a while, like, yeah, I get it. But to your point, it seems no, like it's, it's happened, every year. Yeah. It happens pretty frequently. Yeah. It's every year. So anyway, just wanted to note that as well. So we do have duck hunting this week. Quack, and quack, quack, it quack. is, yeah. I'm so glad we're playing this game at home. Um, if we're talking to series history here, UW does win that category. We lead the series 60 to 47 to five. This is a series that we dominated for a very, very long time. Wasn't until really the mid 2000s that that changed. And since then, it's been pretty shitty. (laughs) And boy, did it swing the other way. (laughs) Yeah, it's been pretty shitty. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me as far as how many. I know that at one point, the Ducks had won 10 in a row. Oh, I think it was though. more. Th- I think we've won two was it out 11? of the last. Yeah, I think we've won two out of the last, like, I would say 15 or 16. Yeah, but I'm saying in a row. Like, I think yeah. it was I think it was either 10 or 11 in a row, because I remember them chanting that my senior year at UW after we had game day. Yeah, I mean, we there. didn't we didn't beat them until the seventy to twenty one game, which would have been two thousand sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah. Yep, they won so 12, twelve in a row. They won 12, twelve in a row. Twelve. Yeah. Jesus. Well, <laughs> let's let's not have that happen again. No. So far, they won two in a row again. So <laughs> something's got to give. Something's got to give. Uh, it's been it's been a frustrating opponent for in recent memory and ever since they've really become Nike U, it's, it's obviously been a different story. Um, if we're talking about last season, I mean, that, that could have been an interesting game that didn't happen. And, you know, thanks a lot. Yeah. Dogs got COVID and Oregon ended up going on to win the North. No, 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 Win the Pac-12. No, 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 no. Okay. They won the Pac-12 championship. They, won they the did Pac-12 not win the North. We won the North. They won the Pac-12 championship. Yeah. We couldn't play in the Pac-12 championship because we were still like two weeks COVID protocol stuff. Correct. And so they represented the North in the Pac-12 championship okay. game. They did not win well, the Pac-12 North. Well, they stomped USC and then embarrassed themselves on national television against Iowa State in... Was that the Rose Bowl? No, yeah. it was something else. Yeah. Was it the Rose Bowl? No, it was the Rose Bowl. Was the Rose Wasn't Bowl? It? Yeah, yeah. I think so. I couldn't remember if the Rose Bowl was one of the the final four games last year, so it might have been something else, but I can't remember. Anyway, they definitely uh, got thrashed in in that major bowl game. Um, last game that we did play against Oregon was that 2019 game with Jacob Beeson at quarterback. Heartbreaking, 35 to 31 loss. And I think we were up by. 14 points at one point in that game um even in the second half i think we were up by 14 yeah and then oregon came back and obviously ended up coming out on top i know there was that like super controversial non-pi call toward like at the very end of that game on uw's last drive i think it was on a fourth down that ended up we ended up turning the ball over so there's been some hard hard fought battles in in recent years um and i guess like the 2019 game and the 2017 game what was it? 2018 we like smashed them or something didn't we yeah or am i getting 2017 those wrong? 2017 we smashed them 
2018 yeah, okay. so was, was down in Oregon, and that was yeah. Those those last two have been very competitive. Don't want to talk about that basically one, till but... the last yeah. You were talking about it earlier with Peyton Henry. <laughs> yeah, that was rough. That was rough. Um, so obviously this is a bit of rival, bit of rivalry. Uh, and Jimmy had some some comments today about Oregon and in and specifically as it revolves around recruiting. Sam, you want to share with our listeners uh, yeah. what our what our dumb shit coach said today? Well, I know how you feel about it. Yeah. <laughs> quick, quick edit though. It was not the Rose Bowl. The Oregon Iowa State was the Fiesta Bowl. So you were you're uh, right. The Rose Bowl. So was Rose Bowl the was final one of four. the. Yeah, it was yeah. Alabama. Does that make sense? Kind of what I thought. If they were playing Iowa State, it was a Big Twelve. Yeah, it was a Big yeah. Twelve. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, Jimmy Lake in his press conference made some airwaves today and definitely produced a, his healthy amount of bulletin material for the Oregon Ducks going into this game. So I'll kind of just like recap the general conversation, then we can kind of dissect like how we each feel about it. So it started off going down this path where a reporter asked Jimmy Lake to compare and contrast the rivalry between UW and Wazoo, the Apple Cup, versus UW and Oregon. And even this one, it wasn't as blatant, but like it still could have been some bulletin board material for down the road in the Apple Cup. Jimmy Lake basically answered, you know, well, the Apple Cup, you know, in state, like there's lots of homes divided. Like mom went to Wazoo, dad went to UW, and like we're always going to have an in state rivalry with them. But the Oregon rivalry has some like extra heat to it. Like, like I, like he says, you know, powerhouses of the, of the North Conference, UW and Oregon have represented the Pac 12 North. And so like there's just more at stake. And he basically like went on to go on and say, like, the game against Oregon actually matters. <laughs> the Wazoo sucks and that game never has anything to live up to, which is not actually true. I no. mean, in the CP era, in the Chris Peterson era, I remember like back-to-back years where yep. the representative of the Pac-12 North came down to us and Wazoo in the Apple Cup. I mean, we dismantled them, but like the winner of that game goes to the Pac-12 championship. Mm-hmm. So like Jimmy Lake was wrong in saying that. I mean his general sentiment is true. Like Oregon has beaten us a bunch. So like, yeah, we feel a little bit more fired up about that rivalry. So there was that comment. And then I think another reporter piled on with the follow-up question and talked about or asked how that rivalry between UW and Oregon carries over into the recruiting world. And this is where Jimmy Lake went off on a tangent, basically said, Oh, that's not true. Like that's just pumped up by the media we don't really recruit the same players that Oregon does. Like we find ourselves in recruiting battles with, you know, higher academic prowess universities like USC and Notre Dame. And he said one other one, I Stanford and like, yeah, we don't recruit those types of kids. We recruit the kids that, you know, we're complete program and academics are a focal, like basically trying to like throw shade at Oregon for being a shit academic university which it is but again he's just like telling a blatant lie like i have the list here and i can go through it all i'm not gonna do that at this moment i want to get your reactions to it first but like we for sure go head to head particularly in the last two classes in recruiting with oregon and as of late they've been eating our lunch man 
I mean, they've practically flipped our whole 20 and 20, 2022 class. Yep. Yeah, oh, that, for me, that, that irritates me. Yeah. For me, it's just tone deaf. Like it's just complete, yeah. completely tone deaf to your fan base, especially the ones that actively follow recruiting. They're not dumb shits, dude. Like they know what is happening on the recruiting front front. Yeah. And yeah, Oregon is kicking our ass when it comes to recruiting and has been for the last two years. And that's on you, Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have much to add. While I agree that we are a better academic prowess, number seven on the latest uh, world rankings report and Oregon is number 244. <laughs> but besides those two facts that uh, – you know, you don't want to turn off the kids. It's like, oh, you know, I'm being recruited by Oregon. And then, oh, you dub, but you dub, you know, they, Jimmy Lake doesn't want me as a type of kid. I'm not really into academics. I want to go for football. Oregon has this nice new facility. I don't want to be associated with the Notre Dames and the Stanfords. I want to go to the cool kids university with all the uniforms and shit. And like you guys said, you guys follow all the forums and everything and the recruiting way closer than I do. And we're getting our ass kicked by them. So I, I hate the comments. Yeah, I mean, really what to to piggyback off of that, I mean, this is he said the quiet part out loud. Like we've been talking about this and you know, as we've brought up recruiting struggles that we've been going through particularly in this class, a little bit last class as well. And how college football landscape is changing with NIL and UW just continuously takes this approach of like higher than now. Like we're elitist, we're better than Very everyone elitist. from you know greatest setting, greatest setting. Yeah. You know, we're a public Ivy League school. Academics are fantastic, and it's like so tone deaf, Connor. You were, hit it right on the button. Like that is so tone deaf for today's 15, 16, 17, 18 year old kids. Like they don't give a shit about that, and it's like we as a university, and with Jimmy Lake saying something like that it makes it so easy to negatively recruit against UW where if I'm an Oregon recruiting analyst or recruiter on the staff talking down about UW became that much easier. Be like, Hey man, like, let's talk for real. Like, are you going to college for academics? Are you here to go to the NFL and play football? And Oregon has definitely prioritized being a good football school. UW has not like at, or not has not prioritized it as much like our rollout of nil has been weak as shit you keep seeing uw come out with things or you see uw players i don't know if they're like you know jimmy lake's holding a gun to their head forcing them to tweet these things out but they're like <laughs> take care of what's important first take care of number one on the field and opportunities will come afterwards and like i think there's some truth to that i think there's good messaging there but like when everybody else is like, Hey, you want a million dollars and sign some autographs and do a commercial with Dr. Pepper and shit. Like, it's just, we are, we, we sound, we make ourselves sound like dinosaurs and it's going to be really hard to overcome that. Elitist down dinosaurs though. Yeah. We were the last dinosaurs dinosaur would... to die. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, better we than think all the they're others. really smart, but they're dead. Like, yeah, yeah. it's, I mean, it's, it, it's exactly what we've been saying, that Jimmy has smartest man in the room syndrome. And this is just another continuation of that, that he thinks he's better than everyone else. He thinks he knows better than everyone else. 
and he just comes off as looking stupid when he says this kind of shit because it's just it's just it's tone deaf like you're getting your ass kicked in recruiting bro (laughs) yeah you can't just like scoff it off like this that you're all about you know academic prowess when everyone is eating your lunch like stanford and notre dame are eating your lunch too when it comes to recruiting yeah yeah it's tough it's just I mean, it just pisses me off I, right when i get on the like i'm about to get back on the bandwagon yeah. after this stanford victory he comes out and says this stupid shit and i just have no hope like no faith that he can actually lead the program to new heights Like, it's going to have to come from someone else. So the longer this draws out, I think it's just going to be either, like, frustrating mediocrity or this thing's going down the shitter. What if he beats Oregon, though? Sure, I'll feel great. Well, yeah, I'll feel great about that, but we're also a very mediocre team no matter what. Because I don't think Oregon's a top 10 team either. No. Like, I would feel feel great about the win, yes. But the reality is, is we could still play in the Rose Bowl. Correct. Which Correct. is insane. But, but that's that's a product of like that the Pac twelve sucks, especially yeah, the yeah, North. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, getting I back know. to what he said, like I love there's parts of it that I love, and then there's everything that I don't like about it, which I've already voiced. I appreciate Jimmy like not going total coach speak here. And like I would in general, like this was one of the things I was looking forward about looking forward to about Jimmy Lake as head coach, like as a DB's coach and as a DC, like he would openly talk shit about Mike Leach and Wazoo and like how he owns them year in, year out. And like, I appreciate the, like, you know, we've, we've called him a used car, car salesman all season. So like, there's part of me that was like, Oh, he's actually talking to us. Like he's talking to us fans. (laughs) And so like, if he had just said something either, he could have answered the question in a much more subtle way, which would have, I think had a lot better impact instead of making it this huge deal and just say, you know, Oh yeah. Like, you know, it doesn't seem like historically we've had a lot of, you know, down to the wire battles and recruiting with Oregon. It seems like that typically is with schools like USC, Stanford and Notre Dame. Like you don't have to blatantly say, Oh, it's about academics. Like you could say that and let people kind of read through the lines or if you want to talk smack, just go to like a oh, series history. Like, yeah, we're hoping to get our 61st win in this series or something like, like I appreciate the trash talk. The execution was terrible. Not to mention he's like going on this rant about how smart and academic focused the team is and he is and the university is. And he like his sentences were so clumsy. He said he I can't remember the exact wording, but he was like. He like his his final sentence, like his punchline was so grammatically incorrect that it just, when you're like making the argument that you're smarter, but you like literally can't form a sentence. It's just like a bad look. So I like, I don't hate the idea of what he was trying to do, but the execution of it was like God awful. Maybe that's just the story of the whole season in a nutshell. It's like, (laughs) His idea of football in theory isn't terrible if it worked, but it doesn't work. <laughs> yep. Justin, why are you uh, I, I, have nothing, I, I have nothing else to add to this. It's yeah. 
I think it's Sam, redundant. did you want to did you want to list off these players that no Oregon wanted and UW wanted or no yeah. that was I was mostly just taking notes because I it kind of piqued my interest like sure how how often have we like one oh, other players tons that of Oregon crossover. wanted and so there's a yeah. I mean one two three four five six seven eight nine ten. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25 guys I could think of on signing day that were either UW or Oregon and had the other school in like their top two or three. So, I mean, that's that's 25% of your roster. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, that's not true. That's both teams combined. So it's half of that. But still, but still, like the point is, it's, there's it's a, a lot of crossover. significant amount. Yeah, there's a lot of crossover, and like this isn't a new development. Like, there's been tons of players from Oregon and Washington and California that both of these schools have recruited very yeah. heavy, like heavily. That has ended up at one of the schools, and the fans at the other school hate that player because they chose the school that didn't like this. This is all stuff that feeds into this rivalry, like recruiting feeds into this rivalry. And it's yeah. just completely tone deaf to just dismiss that, that Oregon isn't a rival in recruiting because they are, they're our rival. Like they're our rival. Yeah. Of course they're a rival in the recruiting. Yeah. It just, it's just, it's just a dumb comment. Like it, I understand what he's trying to do. Like he's, he's trying to kind of talk shit. Like you were saying. Yeah. But it's it's in a completely stupid way, and yeah. you're lying. You're flat out lying about it. So, I don't yeah, know. it's kind of like that. If you're gonna talk the it. talk, you gotta walk the walk thing, which we obviously can with Wazoo and the Apple Cup. But this was sure. not a scenario where we've been walking the walk. And I guess the only thing that I will mention is breaking down these players on the current roster. It's actually fairly even, I'd say. Like we got some guys that they wanted badly, and they've got some guys that we've wanted badly. I mean, I'd maybe give this list of Oregon players a slight edge on the players that we have at UW, but I think again, mm -hmm. it's like recency bias makes it feel like UW is dominating us because in this current class of 2022 that have, that are committed, making commitments, but not signed anywhere yet. At one point, Sir Mel's Ben Roberts and Anthony Jones were all committed to UW. Oregon was the reason all three of them decommitted from UW and two of them are now committed to Oregon. Committed. Sir Mills and Ben Roberts, Anthony Jones is at Texas or committed to Texas. And then another DB Jaleel Florence was somebody we had really high on and he's committed to Oregon. So like the recent, not to mention that Keontae Scott, a dude that is committed to UW right now, just took a visit with his family to Oregon. I didn't see that. Yeah. So just showed up like, today. Yeah. It's, it's not good. It's not great, Bob. No, it's really it, not. Every, everyone that we get to commit, and, and we all do, do all the hard work. We like we pull out of these like yeah. these, these diamonds in the rough. We'll pull, we'll offer these kids. They might commit to us, might not, but like they're super interested in us whenever they get the offer. And then Oregon's like, oh yeah, we're gonna offer that kid and show them the glitz and glamour of Eugene and Nike U, and they end up decommitting from us or losing interest in us because yeah. we don't heavily recruit them or recruit them how we should. Yeah. Or we um, get negatively recruited by Oregon, which happens a lot. And Jimmy right. Lake just made yeah. that a lot easier. So anyways, we should, 
talk about the okay, damn we can move on. Okay, when on the on. field, when on the field, it'll take care of itself. That's true. That's true. All right, players on Oregon. Some of these are guys that we wanted. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. can start with them. You can start with those guys if you wanted to. Um, but yeah, who are you looking at on on Oregon that we need to keep in check and if we're gonna have any chance in this game on Saturday? Yeah, so Justice. I'll start there. I mean, we need to stop the run, right? I mean, CJ Verdell is obviously out for the year, but yep, I, I say I say it every week, and I'm on a broken record, and I'll say it again. Let's make Oregon pass the ball on us. Tanner McKee, he tried, didn't do a great job, I would say. Yeah. I mean, our, yeah. our cornerbacks, our secondary, kind of ridiculous. Probably the best two, and I don't think it's an argument, in the Pac-12. Oh, Tyler yeah. Gordon and, and Trent McDuffie. I'm not interested in the argument. I, yeah, they are PFF, the top two. Your PFF. Oh, I, I, PFF has a lot of errors, but I mean, PFF I think, has like they're the top two graded though. Yeah. yeah. So, well, good. They get the obvious, right? Congratulations. I'd even <laughs> make the argument that they're potentially the best cornerback duo in the country. Okay. Well, I don't I know. Mean, other I, don't, I don't know well enough, enough. So yeah, but I think they probably would be in that debate. The sample any size case, is too small because everyone's been running against us. Yeah, right. True. <laughs> uh, in any case, let's make uh, Anthony Brown beat us. And so he's a key player to watch, obviously, as well. Travis Dye and Anthony Brown. So Anthony Brown, uh, more of a mobile quarterback than Tanner McKee and what we've seen. I mean, DTR is not a good comparison, but that's probably the last mobile quarterback we faced. And so how do we contain him to make sure he's not running wild and, you know, they're using the run game to beat us effectively. So that's really what I'm watching. Those two players. I know. I, I mean, I could keep going on and on, but I'll leave some for you, but on the offensive side of the ball, that's what I'm really keying into Sam. Yeah. I think that's going to be the critical factor in this game is can we contain Anthony Brown and Travis die? I mean, when they do pass, I mean, they've really spread it, spread the wealth pretty well. I mean, they, they don't really have like your prototypical number one, right? Wide receiver particularly when you're running down the stat sheet, the guy that's kind of gotten hot recently. And I think poses a big issue for our defensive backs potentially is their wide receiver, Devin Williams. He's six, five, 210 pounds. He's only got 18 receptions, but for 290 yards. So he's averaging 16 yards per catch, which is a good chunk nice. of yards. And he only has one touchdown, but he's coming off a really good game against was who did they just play Colorado? Yeah, they um, smoked yeah. him. Yeah, I think he had five catches for like 100 yards. Um, but with that big body type, I mean, we played Elijah Higgins at Stanford pretty well. He's like 6'3", 210, big guy. He's a but good player. Another two inches is, I mean, 6'5 is a big dude. So I'm keeping my eyes out to see how we match up against him. And then there are other weapons on offense. So these are the three guys that we wanted in a bad way, um, particularly – Troy Franklin and I don't even know how to say his name really. Molokai Maliki Matavau at tight end. Um, Troy Franklin is starting to come on a bit toward these last few games. Um, really skinny guy, but just an electric wide receiver. Speed, agility, great hands. So got to keep an eye on him. And then their other wide receiver who has a little bit of that like miles jack hate for UW, and it's probably for good reason so micah Pittman, 
is I think he wears number four for Oregon. He's kind of a slot type receiver. He's shorter, but he's not little. He's really well-built, strong wide receiver. Um, he wanted to commit to UW and he came to UW on a visit. And for one reason or another, he decided that he wasn't going to participate in that camp that we put on. And so I think that kind of pissed the coaches off at UW. And so they're like, yeah, you can't commit unless you participate in the camp. And so we basically told him to piss off is the story that I've gotten. And he kind of came up with some attitude, like he was the shit and this and that. So like right or wrong, we moved on from him. And I mean, that type of attitude definitely, you know, settles in nicely in Eugene for the university of Nike. <laughs> um, but talking shit aside, he's a hell of a player and I think anytime you get a player that has some talent and capability and really doesn't like you, they tend to show out. And so I would anticipate Micah Pittman potentially having the biggest game of his season this, this week. Um, so that kind of rounds out their offense. Really. It's going to lean heavily on the running game for Anthony Brown. Travis Dye has been there forever. Um, but those are a couple of wide receivers and, and tight ends to watch out for as well. How about on the defense, Connor? Unless you had something to yep. add. Yeah, no, before we switch over to defense, just like I want to share two things that Travis died. Not only is he obviously their number one running back, but he's also their their most targeted in the receiving category yeah. as well. He's got 24 receptions, so he's he's kind of a do it all back. And he, he's been it seems like he's been there forever. He and Troy were <laughs> are obviously brothers and Troy's in the NFL now, right? Yeah, he was. Drunk. Yeah, so he's playing on Sundays with. Yeah. Um, Travis is but, just going to yeah. run right at Jackson Sermon. Whatever side of the I'm, ball, just run yeah. that way. They'd be smart to do that. They would. They'd be smart to Sorry, do that. Connor. Go ahead. If they isolate no, you're fine. him, it's the weakest link, right? Like, if they isolate Jackson Sermon, it's yep. game over. Yep. Yep. I'd be really interested to see if Hailemuli ends up playing in this game because we didn't see him at all in, no. in the Stanford game. So I don't know if that was an injury or if he just didn't practice well or something because apparently that's what how these guys get playing time is they have to practice so yeah jimmy lake did um, mention though like against stanford when they're a team that's slow in the huddle running the clock down like it's easier to let your linebackers play the whole game so like we're gonna see sure. a typical rotation here but I, to your point like yeah we saw mj tafisi we Carson saw tafisi yeah. and jackson yep. sermon no Haimuli, no alfonso tupatala so right I'm going to be keeping an eye on that rotation for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Linebacker is going to be huge in this game, but uh, sorry, back to Oregon. And all I want to say about their quarterback, Anthony Brown, the Oregon boards are having just as much fits about their quarterback position situation as UW is with their quarterback situation. Cause That's they also cute. have a very talented, they also have a very talented freshman behind him in the name of Ty Thompson. Yeah. And uh, Anthony Brown is obviously somewhat limited as a passer, but, he obviously has his, his mobility on yeah, his I mean, side and Dylan Morris definitely doesn't I feel have like that, he so. looks, looks more limited than the stats show. I mean, he is completing 65% of his passes, 10 touchdowns to only three interceptions. He's only taken 12 sure. sacks. Like I would take he's, that. He, yeah. But he's also, I think like the 11th graded quarterback in the pac 12. Who's 12. <laughs> Ours. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> no, I'm joking. It's like, they're not, they're both not that great, um, yeah. but Anthony Brown can run the ball and Dylan Morris can't. So um, on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, they're 
They're star-studded. There's there's a ton of talent on this Oregon team, and none more yeah. talented than Kayvon Thibodeau. He's kind of finally starting to live up to the hype that he garnered his his true freshman year and his five star his, his five star uh, recruiting prowess instead of academic prowess, yeah. talent yeah. prowess. Um, he's got 25 tackles and four sacks this year. And he just causes havoc in the backfield. So we definitely need to make sure that we're blocking him well. He'll line up mostly, I think, against Victor Kern, probably, I would assume. Yeah. On that right side, which That's I don't like match. that matchup <laughs> at all. <laughs> no. Um, Kern has definitely, I feel like he's definitely been the, the offensive lineman that struggled the most this year. Um, so yeah. though a close second would be Wattenberg. So Yeah, I those mean, are the two that I that come to mind. I mean, outside of Bulo, um, who obviously got demoted, but sure, yeah, he's not starting anymore, though. So, of of the current starters right yeah. now, those are the two guys that have struggled the most. Yeah. So I don't like that matchup, but we'll see how it goes. Hopefully, they give him some help on that side. The running backs for UW did block well, yeah, pass protect well mm-hmm. in this last game against Stanford, and they're probably going to need to do it again against Oregon because for sure <laughs> our our linemen are going to get beat by some of these pass rushers. Another rusher, but from the inside linebacker position, is Noah Sewell. He's also been there for a little while. Really good player, really talented. Yeah. Um, he's got a brother that was at Utah or is still at Utah, I think. Yeah. I think he's a senior there, Nephi. Yeah. And then Penai, obviously, was the left tackle from Penne? Penne? Penis? Penis Sewell? Penis, Penis Sewell? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's, that, that rings a bell. Penis yeah. Sewell. Yeah. <laughs> um, so obviously a, a talented family, and Noah's just the the most recent at Oregon. He's probably uh, the inside best. linebacker position. And he's probably yeah, the best. He's really good. He's really, really good. Um, which is saying something because I mean that left tackle was hell of a tackle. Penis. Yeah. He was really he was really good. Um, but yeah, I mean, this defense is totally, totally star studded. Their defensive backs are really good. Um, Verone McKinley, the third at safety, has got 45 tackles, four interceptions, and four pass breakups. Their corner, Michael Wright, another guy that UW really badly wanted, but he's in, mm-hmm. you know, the ugly orange and green. Um, he's got 49 tackles, one interception, and four pass breakups. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Like the defense is definitely a star studded defense, but it, they just, they haven't been as potent or as cohesive as you would, as you would think that they could be, but yeah. they're going to give us a hell of a time because our offense is not great. <laughs> no. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, if we're switching it over to the UW side of the ball and offensive side of the ball specifically, Justin, yeah. What players need to step up against this this talent-studded but maybe underperforming Oregon defense for us to have any success on Saturday? I mean, we saw him get a look on Saturday. I mean, Javon forward. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, pullback <laughs> dive. <laughs> Run just... that play from the six-yard line every time. First play of the game. Eye yeah. formation, pullback dive. Uh, so offensive line, right? We saw them play their best game of the season. I think we all agree on that, right? Against Stanford, we needed, we need a hell of a performance against Oregon. These defensive linemen are a lot better 
than Stanford. Yeah. Uh, especially they have a five-star guy that is going to give us hell. And so we're probably going to want to double cover or double block him a couple times, one or two like times. All the times. Nice. All yeah, the times. all the times would be <laughs> Aiden, nice. So going to be chipping a lot, I think, on him. Yeah. yeah, tight end. I don't want to leave it to just Kaden because that's not going to be good news. But yeah, so we're going to need to block him. So offensive line needs a day. And then we're not going to get the same holes as we got against Stanford. We got gaping wide acres of space for our running backs to prance around in. And with all that acceleration Sean McGrew has, you know, he bursted through that hole, but we're not going to get that same acceleration opportunity this game. And so how is Cam Davis going to find Cam Davis and John Donovan going to create the opportunities for us to run the ball? Because as Jimmy Lake says, we need to run the damn ball as well. And then on the, you know, obviously on the passing side, I, you know, I'm not worried about our wide receivers. It's all about on Dylan Morris, right? Can, yeah. we find, can we scheme plays? Can we, you know, can he find the open receiver? Because there will be open receivers in this game and it's all for him to find it and for our offensive line to protect him enough because if he's pressured, then he's going to be staring down one read and throwing it and Oregon's going to jump all over it. And so Dylan Morris offensive line, I think are the real big keys to the offensive side of the game, Sam. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, flipping it over to the defensive side of the ball. We want to see more of the same. I mean, we really stymied Stanford's offense. They weren't able to run the ball with any productivity. They didn't, you know, they had, they were able to move the ball passing here and there a little bit. Um, but we were sacking the box and it was really bend don't break type defense. But even then, like in the, in the heart of the game, we didn't really do much, too much bending. We really were just totally breaking the spirit of that Stanford offense. We need to see more of the same Carson Bruner. Great game. Like we mentioned, um, we're going to need a whole lot of that again, because he's going to be chasing Travis die one way. Anthony Brown's going to be going the other way with the ball. So like, those instincts and his ability to follow the ball in the, in that offensive backfield of Oregon is going to be key. Cause we all know Jackson Sermon is going to be running around like a chicken with his head cut off. So like Jack, I mean, Carson yeah. Bruner is going to have to be doing double time. I mean, he, a lot, he's going to have to be covering a lot of ground in that, you know, middle part of the field. I think, you know, going back to the defensive backfield, which is our strong suit, figuring out like what is our best alignment to defend this Oregon rushing attack? Is it more the same from what we saw last week? Do we see them move Gordon into the nickel again and bookie back to safety? Is Cam Williams healthy at safety? So then we can have, yeah, bookie I think at that's nickel. your big question mark. So if, I mean, that would be ideal, right? Like if Cam sure. Williams is healthy, then your defensive backfield, you've got Gordon and McDuffie out wide, Buki in the nickel, Cam Williams, deep safety, Dom Hampton in the box safety. God damn, that's a good defensive backfield. Like, yeah, Oregon's not going to have success passing. Like, they're just not better than us man-to-man in the passing mm -hmm. game, their offense versus our defense. And so it really is going to come down to – really the linebacker play. And I already mentioned Carson Bruner, but those outside linebackers as well are going to have a lot to do with how successful we are. Don't you think Connor? Yes, for sure. Uh, and it's going to be all about that side opposite of ZTF and McDonald and smalls 
those guys are going to be heavily relied upon on that opposite side to try to contain Oregon's running game. And there's a lot of zone read that happens in Oregon's running game. So they need to stay at home. They, they really need to, there's a lot of RPOs in their game too. So they, they need to have a lot of discipline and, um, they, they they probably whoever plays more they need to have the best game of their career yeah in order for us to even have a chance at stopping this Oregon offense and uh Jackson Sermon just can't play dude Jackson Sermon just cannot play you know he will but he just <laughs> yeah. he, it's just so obvious dude it's so obvious the fact that us stupid fans are saying that Carson Bruner should have been starting above Jackson Sermon for games now. Like, this is weeks that we've been saying this. And the coaching staff is forced to do it because of Eddie's injury. And he goes off and wins Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Week and Pac-12 Freshman of the Week in his first damn start in his career. This year reminds me of Eddie two years ago. Oh, yeah. Like, what is it about the inside linebacker position that these coaches just can't identify talent when they have it? I don't think it's that they can't identify it. I think they're just way too strict. Like, they're not willing to take a flyer on Saturdays. Like, if somebody makes a mistake in practice, like, oh, yeah. They're cowards. Can't rely on that. It's like They're cowards. At some point, just play the better player. And, like, live and die by some of the mistakes. You know what I mean? And, like, put your best player out there. It's just such a conservative way of going about personnel management, and I can't stand it. Nothing would fire me up more than to see Carson Bruner starting next to either Tupatala or Daniel Haimuli. Nothing would fire me up more. Because then I know that Carson Bruner and Eddie Ulofusio are your starting linebackers next year. I'm pretty sure they are no matter what at this point anyway. Yeah, they have to. Even be. after one game. But Jackson Sermon's still going to be on the team next year too. Yeah. So something's got to give. Something's got to give at that inside linebacker position. So that's that's all I have to say about that. Um, I told you the inside linebacker is going to be huge here because we have to tackle well against this Oregon, Oregon, Oregon running game. Yeah. All right, keys to the game. If we're going to turn it to the keys to the game. Number one, I think, is a pretty good one here. Yeah, the first one is just taking care of the ball, right? I mean, Oregon is plus eight in the turnover margin, and we're we're plus one now. Back on the positive side. Yeah, I know. I mean, we just went three positive turnovers to zero giveaways last game, so we were negative. It has been better in the last few few games i feel like yeah the last two games it's been better but i mean oregon at plus eight i mean they're like i said anthony brown like they're complaining about him as quarterback but he one thing he isn't doing is throwing interceptions sure and one thing that the oregon dbs are doing they're picking the ball off like they've got a good number of interceptions i mean plus eight in their turnover margin is legit and so like it's pretty good if this game is going to get away from us and which it totally can is yeah. Dylan Morris throwing up meatballs. Those Oregon DBs are coming down with it. And so like, yeah, we need to take care of the ball. 
if Cam Davis is running, I really like to see the emphasis he had against Stanford in terms of covering up the ball, ball security. I think he did a great job. It showed the coaches trusted him in that department. Again, referencing the Oregon State butt fumble, that was terrible. Um, the coaches showed a lot of faith in him running the ball on those pivotal down or those pivotal drives late in the game. So whether we're throwing it or running it, taking care of the ball, don't let Oregon get cheap, easy points off of a short field because we turned the ball over. We also need to hold on to the ball because they had nine forced fumbles. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot of forced fumbles. Yeah. And Kamari Pleasant and Cam Davis have ball security issues historically. Correct. Correct. Mm -hmm. Justin, what's our third key to the game? Second. Second. Sorry. Second key to the game. Yeah, I mean, I've mentioned this so many times every episode, but especially this one with a mobile quarterback <laughs> is we need to force Anthony Brown to beat us with his arm, right? We cannot let him run wild. We cannot let die run wild. And it's the same shit different week where we're letting a decent running attack go all bananas on us. And I looked it up before the show. Uh, how we as a run defense compared to Oregon's defense on the other side of what you guys were just mentioning of attacking them in common games. So we have four common opponents so far in the pack 12 Oregon has allowed 148 yards per game and UW has allowed 166. But the most recent game is UCLA where Oregon allowed 110 against UCLA and UW allowed 237. And so, yeah, you know, with and that's against a mobile quarterback where, you know, DTR, you could say he's faster, a little more mobile, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, 237 is a lot of yards to give up, and Oregon has a dynamic running attack as well. And so we have to do much better than that if we want to have a chance. I would say, like, I think a decent job would be a 150. And that oh, yeah, way you take, take that. That's yeah, when then you're, you're that. forcing Anthony Brown to have to pass the ball a bit to beat us. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm looking for. I know we're not going to start from like how we did Stanford. That's just not realistic. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be 55 yards less than they're averaging per game. So, right. I so I would, that's what I'm saying. Like, ground. even though that sounds like a lot and it's close to what we're giving up per game, I would take that. That's so we'll see. We'll see what we can do. I'm really worried. They're just going to line up and power wherever uh jackson sermon is and just run right at him for five yards i'm super worried that or even in the passing game like isolate him where he's covering the running back or the tight end coming out i mean i would just find 43 and go there i mean there's a common saying in sports and work and whatever is that you're only as good as your weakest link and that that link on the chain is really weak it's pretty frail (laughs) it's rusted so, yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Is Connor, I know you were excited about this. You know, you were trying to jump the gun on key key to the game number three here. So why don't you get after it? We need to punch Oregon in the mouth. <laughs> Seriously, though, we need to come out and be more physical than them. Like, act like they're, the, they're your little brother. They're not. Like, they've been whipping your ass for years. But... Yeah. Go protect your home field. Like you have you have a bunch of maulers at offensive li- on your offensive line. And the one thing about Oregon is they're a bunch of talented kind of spoiled brats on the defensive side of the ball especially. Yep. If you get in Kayvon's head, that dude melts <laughs> down. 
<laughs> well, and if he's shown any weakness in his career, he's not been good defending the run. I mean, he's Correct. been a lot better this year with his discipline yep. and holding the edge, yep. but teams have had success running the ball at him. It running helps neutralize yep. his aggressive. Um, a lot of his strengths get neutralized if you run right at him. Sure. And I, I those power blocking schemes that you were talking about, Sam, we need to continue that against Oregon. And we need to get Lumu Ale all up in Noah Sewell's face. Yep. Victor Kern's got to do something and get in the way of <laughs> Kayvon Thibodeau. <laughs> um, you know, Bainavalu's played pretty good at the right guard position. Maybe he can yeah. help out with that a little bit. But um, I've honestly really liked what Troy Fatanu's done, too, at left tackle, if, even yeah. if Jackson, Sir, Jackson uh, Kirkland is um, hurt again or out for this week again. Yeah. That left tackle position is in still pretty good hands with Troy Fautano there. But I'm looking at our offensive line just in general. I just want to I want to see us dominate for once <laughs> or I guess two games in a row. Um, but against like a, a legit opponent in in Oregon. It's going to be tough and it's it's a huge ask I think. But if there's one thing that I will say about this game that we have working for us is I think there's two games that these players circled on the calendar. First one was Stanford because that's the team that beat them last year. And they've struggled so much against that team, especially on the road. Second game for sure was Oregon. Second game was for sure Oregon because that's the game they wanted to play for the Pac-12 North. Didn't get to play it. They saw what Oregon did after they couldn't play and felt like that was rightfully theirs. No doubt this game has been circled and on these kids' mind for a long time. So they're going to be motivated as hell to play. I hope Jimmy uses that for a chip-on-the-shoulder mentality for this team. And I think it just all starts with starts with that offensive line, that first offensive series. I want to see us just, just blow off the ball against this Oregon defense. And I think that'll just set the tone for the game if we can do that. And... To follow that up, you have four of their five, top five leading tacklers here are defensive backs. Like you can, you can. Uh, that's not a good. That's not a good thing if you're a defense. Yeah. Like you, if if you get to that second level, a lot of times you're also getting to that third level. Yeah. So we just need to win that line of scrimmage game, and I have I have faith that we can move the ball a bit, especially on the ground. All right. Hopefully I instilled some confidence in you guys. I don't think I installed any, instilled any confidence in Justin. I don't think there's any, <laughs> any way he's changing his mind. Damn. <laughs> On that note, Justin, what's your prediction for this game? What's the final score? So it's not a 7.30 terrible kickoff. We got 4.30 p.m. No. on ABC primetime on the prime channel. People will be able to <laughs> see this game. Amazing that, that that's going to be Could be, be really good. Could be really bad. Yeah. I'm a little worried that we're not going to said that a lot <laughs> that we're not going to be able to stop the run. Yeah. I, I just don't know how we can stop it. And at the same time score, we say our offense played pretty decent and ran the ball over Stanford and yada, yada, yada. And we scored 20 points. Right. I mean, it's it's not good enough to beat a team like Oregon and Oregon probably isn't the number six, number seven team in the country. Whenever those final rankings come out tomorrow for the first college football playoff rankings. But 
they're going to come in and they're going to take us down 27 to 20 guys. Brown is going to run in our house bit. in our house. I don't in a purple that. out. It's going to be purple. Don't you know? Everybody's going to wear purple purple out. I just don't think our offense is good enough to keep up. Uh, whether that's quarterback limit, you know, our limited quarterback player, offensive coach, our offensive coordinator holding us back in the red zone. Yeah, guys, I I, I want to pick you up so bad, but I'm I'm trying to be the realistic one here. What do you guys have? Realistic, realistic. Sam, what do you have? What I mean by that, just to defend myself for a second, is that I'm trying not to pick a game with purple tinted glasses. I'm trying to think what what's actually going to happen. If I thought UW was going to win, I would pick UW. And that's all I'm saying. Okay, fine. I'll follow that up. I have no logical reason to pick UW in this game for all the reasons that that Justin just listed. But God damn it, we're going to win this game. Hey, I was wrong last week. This would be so 2021. This would be so 2021 UW for us to look like crap all year and then put a complete game together against Oregon. I hope you're right. That'd be awesome. Sam, you're picking UW. There's no way. Was that There's all no of way. your that was all your analysis? We're just gonna we're just that's, gonna win. That's most of my analysis right there. Uh, I think we score more points than <laughs> than Oregon and we win 24 <laughs> to 20. All right. All right, cool. Samuel. Well, just like Connor, I got these purple tinted glasses on, and man, they make this world look damn good, and I love it. Damn. So here's what's going to happen. We will be able to make Anthony Brown pass the ball from time to time. Oregon's going to get off to a good start. They're going to be in a commanding lead, and they're going to have most of the momentum in the first half. And then Dylan Morris and these dirty dogs are coming back in the second half. We're going to get Cam Davis the ball, Jalen McMillan over the top for a touchdown. And then, God damn it, with two seconds left in the game, down by three, one by the name of Peyton Henry summons the demons and tells him to go back to hell. And he makes the game-winning field goal that he should have made years ago to redeem himself his senior season. And the Huskies are marching towards the Pac-12 North Championship potentially the Rose Bowl going back to where we thought they should be. God damn it. Down with the ducks. That's that. I love. What was the score? <laughs> I missed that. 21 to 20. I, I love how the last two, maybe three weeks, your entire positivity has revolved around Sam Heward starting, and you've just given up on that. And you're like, yeah, yeah Dylan Morris is going to lead us to victory. No, no, no. I said he's going to make like, he'll, you know, he'll, he'll do something good in the second half. And that's all we need. Not lead us to victory, but like he'll, he'll be there. Pretty much same thing. We're winning. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Make I think Cam point. Davis might, I think Cam Davis break one, breaks one in this game. He could, and he will. I think if that happens, I feel better. <laughs> I could happen. It could happen. Okay, I'm just get... realizing now that my numbers don't make sense. I was gonna say, how are we getting to 18? Are we getting like some crazy safety? And that could happen. Maybe I should switch it to like. No, we kicked six field goals before that. Oh, so we're <laughs> yeah. not scoring a seven field goal game. <laughs> it could happen. 
Okay, so maybe I'll go Peyton uh, Henry for MVP. So what should let me see? I would I would go like 28-27, but we're not going to score 23-20. Maybe I mean, we're tied and he kicks the game. 24-23? Oh, we could do that. I like 24-23. Thanks there guys. Like Jimmy Lake, I'm not that smart. You're welcome, Sam. <laughs> You're a lot smarter than Jimmy Lake, trust me. Yeah. Yeah, 24-23. Heard it here for, first. Peyton Henry. Game winner. And, and at least you can admit when you're wrong, Sam, whereas Jimmy Lake cannot. So, yeah, that's mm, true. Big. One of his biggest flaws, I think. All right. Well, anything else you guys have to say about this this potential matchup? It's it's dunk, duck hunting season, and this is, this is one of my favorite weeks of the year. It's also one of the weeks that usually <laughs> I end up dreading at the end. But, um, you know, it's always, it's always exciting for the potential of possibly beating Oregon. And I think we have a chance. I think we have a chance. I don't, I asked me two weeks ago and I probably would say, no, we don't have a chance in this game, but after what we showed against Stanford and the things I think we can build upon, make a couple of adjustments, hopefully, maybe, I don't know, probably won't, probably won't. But if we do, I think we do have a chance in this game. Yeah. Go dogs. Damn it. All right. Well, thanks for listening, folks. As always, we appreciate the su- su- oh my god, appreciate the support. <laughs> Subscribe and follow if Rolling you haven't already, rock. and leave us a me- message via the anchor link in our description. Rolling rock. Until next time. Go dogs. <laughs>